Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Grief fundamentally changes who we are and how we see the world. It's painful and heartbreaking, but also transformative and magical. This podcast is about grief and loss, but more importantly, it's about life and living fearlessly. I'm Kelsey Chittick, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Today is a good one because we have one of the most well-read, curious, engaged in life, and committed to making this experience uh, on planet Earth to be the best as a guest. This guy is not a Harvard professor. He is not a TED Talk yet, but he does happen to be one of the best football players of all time. NFL Hall of Famer, and one of the greatest tight ends, and one of my very best friends, Tony Gonzalez. Welcome hey. to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to Berkeley, though, Kelsey. I don't, I don't know if you knew that. But, I know, um, but I'd like to talk about the admissions pro- process when you went to Berkeley. <laughs> I mean, I know we didn't have the scandals yet, but I'm certain there was some type of scandal that included a ball. Well, and- I can catch it. If you can catch it or hit it, I was good at it, and that's how I got in. No, I love that. That's true. I need to put, I need to mention that because your intellectual side is is underknown and under undershared. And Berkeley, I'm going to add that to my list whenever I speak about you. <laughs> I wanted to have Tony on today for a thousand reasons, but mostly because, like I said, this this man over the last ten years, but especially the last five years, has dug into the meaning of life and death and how we walk through this world with joy. And I think this podcast, although we talk a lot about grief and that's what this podcast is about, I probably learned more or leaned on Tony the most in terms of just spiritual awareness and and what it looks like to come out of hard times and especially great grief in not just an okay way, but an exceptional way. So I'll, I'll let Tony share. He's had some experiences of close grief, and obviously my husband was one of his best friends, but I don't know that we need to dig in too much, but I would like you to just share, you know, who has died in your life, you know, that has kind of either informed you about how you wanted to live or taught you something, and then we can get into what you've been studying and how that relates to grief. Sure. My father, my my uh, stepdad, Michael, which you who you knew, came into my life when I was, I don't know, like around 11 or 12, 12 years old, somewhere around there. And is that he's he's my father. I have a biological father as well, but he didn't live with us. And I only saw him really once a week. But Michael was around the house with us every single day. So I really viewed him as as my father figure in my life. And uh, he passed away 
probably around my 15th year. I think, yeah, my 15th or 16th year. In, yeah, my 15th year in the NFL. But he was that guy that really opened my mind up when I was when I was younger. You talk about me liking the, to read and liking to, you know, to, to learn. That would have never happened if it wasn't for for him, if it wasn't for, for, for Michael, for my pops. That's what we call him. So I'll call him from pop, Pops from here on out. But if, if Pops didn't teach me to, to dive deep, to be curious, to do the extra work, to go out there and, and, and learn whatever subject you wanted. He was never like, hey, you got to study this, you got to study that. Uh, he was always like, look, whatever it is, if you're reading something, you're learning something. And he was kind of the, the patriarch of the family, the one that everybody went to go check in with, to go get lectured from. I guess that's where I get my lecturing abilities from, is, is from him. Uh, but yeah, he passed away and we knew it was coming. He had cancer, but nothing ever prepares you for it. When it happens, I remember he was in hospice and the typical pop, he was in hospice for a while and he didn't have that long to live. And I thought he was going to, and it was the first time that I had ever planned a trip to, to Europe as an adult and came time to leave. And he, and I was going to just stay because I knew he could go at any moment. And he said, uh, he got brought me in and he said, son, he was an old Jewish man. Michael Saltzman was his last name. And he said, son, I want you to go on that trip. And I was like, no, nah, I can't. I'm just going to cancel it because I want to be here for you, you know, in case, you know, you're, you're going to die. And he's like, I know I'm going to die. And he goes, son, I'm going to die. That's fine. But this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Don't ruin it because of me. Go see, go see the world. Go, go, go to Europe and enjoy your wife. Cause I was bringing Toby at the time. Enjoy your bride. It's what he always called her and have a good time. And then, but typical pop too, he stayed alive the whole trip. And when I got back, he was still around. Now he was that really late, late stage hospice. So his brain wasn't wasn't quite there when I went to, and I was, had a chance to go see him again. And he and he passed away that night. It's like he waited for me. And then he passed away that night. And I remember my mom called the next the next day and said he passed away. And, and nothing prepares you. I don't care how prepared you think you are. It still like sent a bolt through my body when she said, "Hey, he's gone. He died last night." And I mean, they start crying and all that stuff and. Uh, but he, but yeah, he he was obviously a huge influence in my life. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him, because he taught me that intellectual side, the athletic side. Obviously, that was a gift from God, but he taught me how to hone it, and that was with your mind and your heart and the and the type of books that you read. I think have a huge implication on who you are as a person. Yeah, and I I actually I loved pops, and it was amazing to see this this short Jewish white guy raising these boys that had come from tough circumstances. And Tony has one biological brother and three brothers that his mother brought in, or they all brought in. And it was it's always been a busy home filled with a lot of personalities and a lot of people. But he really grounded you all. And I think you are very much, you have taken on that role in your family. I do remember Nate getting the call that Michael was sick and he loved he loved Michael. Nate just thought he was somebody who could talk about all the things. And I remember when he went down there, maybe three or four days before he passed and spent time with him. And it changed him to see someone transitioning or, or on their way to transition and how, how beautiful death can be and sad. But he also knew it was okay. And they had a wonderful conversation. I remember Nate feeling really good that he um, had said what he needed to say to him. So you've lost Michael. And then obviously... You've lost Nate, who was one of your best friends for 20 years. And then after losing Nate, you kind of took over as a, as a leader in our family. And it, it, it would make me cry because I think Nate would have hopefully done the same for you all. But 
What was your experience of losing a best friend at such a young age that obviously we expected wouldn't be around and you didn't get to say the goodbye to? No, no, that's the, that's the part about cancer or any terminal illness that gets, that you get to, to learn about before. Uh, that's, that to me, that's the beautiful part about it is okay, well, at least we get a chance to wind down and say goodbye. Where Nate was all of a sudden, it's like, it's shocking. And obviously it's one of those, you never forget where you where you're at when you when you hear the news in disbelief i was i was on a shoot working for fox at a navy base in in norfolk virginia or whatever god that was such a tough day because immediately i'm on set actually filming so i can't grieve right away you know i have to wait and hold it all in until i get to my hotel room and then i can let it all go Maybe some people out there might not agree with that, but I was I was in the middle of working, so I, was, I don't have I don't have time to I can't I can't do that right now. I agree, but yeah, that's something I, I obviously had never dealt with. You never think it can happen to you, but that's kind of like you know where I'm at today with death. I, I used to be so scared of, of of death and dying, like really really scared. You know, in in college, I used to dabble a little bit in the in what's legal now. In marijuana, but I remember I stopped smoking that because I would get so paranoid of me of my own impending death, and it would scare the shit out of me. But that was kind of like the the first like I, I can't have to face it with Nate. The grieving sucks. It sucks. I don't, I don't know if there's any other word way to put it. People, you can always try to put it in words, and and I think everybody grapples with it and wrestles with it differently. And I don't know if there's a right way or wrong way. That's for you to decide, but. I think for me, it, it 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 really changed my life. His death made me a better person. I don't know if, if, if that's insensitive, but but I think that's that's kind of like I'm sure we'll dive into stoicism. That's that's kind of what it, what a big principle in stoicism is: a morphati, and that's love your fate. And no matter what happens, you have to spin it in a way that's going to make you better and make you stronger. And I do know this: that Michael, pops, and and Nate. There's no way, at least, at least for me, the way they felt towards me, that they would ever want me to to be a, a worse off because they passed. They want me to be better off. They want me to learn from it. They want me to, to level up. They want me to get better. And that's what I learned from Nate, uh, watching the strength that you had, watching the strength that his children had, Jack and Addison. Uh, I mean, when Jack spoke at the celebration of life, I mean, it was like blew the house, <laughs> blew the house off. Uh, I get emotional just thinking about his speech. It was the best one by far. And seeing how people step up in these hard times. I, I don't know. It's I think death now to me is more of a welcome now, honestly. I don't I'm not oh, looking for it to happen today, but it's more of a welcome. It's a part of life. It's a beautiful thing. It's a sad thing, but it's a beautiful thing because that's that's where the growth is. I think there's tremendous growth when somebody passes in your life. Oh, I love that. That might be a that might be a one-liner someone. Death I look at death as a welcome. It's funny because of every person that I've been helped through this past four and a half years, you are the one that the main message to me was stop being afraid, stop being afraid. And I think what death does, if, if you are able to make it to the other side, you're so high on life because you're so clear that this is just, this is just the game. This is just the fun part. But wherever we go next, obviously Nate and Michael are fine. They seem to be doing great. They didn't come back, so it must not be bad. They left as heroes in the sense that they left their families better. 
and they left with a lot of joy. And I think people, there's a bunch of different ways people can die and there's a bunch of different circumstances. But I do believe that if we can just move an inch out of considering life, life good and death bad, and just kind of open our minds up to possibly saying, what if they're both just what they are? They're not good or bad. That's something I've been really curious about lately because death and grieving feels awful internally. But somewhere along the line, we decided that things that feel bad aren't good and things that feel good are good. And, you know, when you do a workout and you're burning out your legs or you're, you're swimming a race, it hurts really bad, but it's not bad. It's actually exceptional. It's actually one of the best things you can do. And I think when you try meth, from what I've heard, it feels really good. And I just don't think that's a wise thing to do all the time. So if we could stop running for the feeling of good or bad and more accept that there are certain things in life that just are. And death is just one of those things we can't argue about. It's going to happen. We know that. But we all forget all the time that it is as important as living. And what if we took the the judgment around someone leaving at 42 as bad? What if we took the story of, well, he, he died at 42, it was too young. That's a narrative that we just don't know. Who says it was too? Did, did someone send down a banner that said like, oh, man, yeah. wanted him to get to 86, but we halved it for him. Unfortunate. No, he just, he went. He just jumped and went. So what are your thoughts on like, what is stoicism? We both read a ton and obviously the not reacting to things and in grief, especially. And I don't mean, I don't mean emotional. I don't mean feelings. Feelings come and go. I'm, you should be devastated when you're devastated, sad, when you're sad, overwhelmed, joyful. I'm saying the deep knowing inside of you that all is well, how do you get to that? And what are some of the practices that has helped you not react and respond so much to life, but more inhabit what is? Well, you know, the thing I love about stoicism, it seems it's, it's, I don't know. They say once you hear truth, it's so simple. It makes so much yeah, sense. When you hear some of this stuff, sometimes you're like, man, God, it's, it's like common sense. Like control your own actions. That's one of the main principles of stoicism is control your own thoughts and your own actions. And what everybody else does is out of your control. So there's no reason why you should be uh, terribly upset about something that you had no control over anyway. It's almost kind of arrogant to, think, to get upset about it because you. why do you think you had the power to control that in the first place? So if someone cuts me off in traffic or uh, where it used to enrage me, now I can accept that, okay, I didn't do anything to bring that on myself. Also, you need to accept that that people are are idiots, including me. Like I'm a, I'm a moron sometimes. And, and the world is not without them. They're all over the place and they're going to be here. They've been here since the beginning of time. They're going to be here to the end of time. And for you to wish against it is just make, you're only hurting yourself. Uh, there's going to be people that don't have the same beliefs as you. There's going to be people that, that do things that you think is are ridiculous. And a lot of people, they lose sleep over that. And, and I've gotten to the point now where I, I'm not losing sleep over that anymore. I don't, it doesn't affect me that much anymore. I can hear terrible news and then I can go to a more thought thing and go, I, I love my fate. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to make it, right. make it better. And then the, uh, what, another core belief, getting back to uh, Memento Mori. Uh, I think you've heard of Memento Mori, haven't you? Remind me again what it is in English. So memento mori is a huge stoic belief, uh, belief kind of like a morfate, but it's basically saying that you're going to die. Right. Like contemplate death daily. It's a big principle 
probably one of the main principles of stoicism is accepting your own death, knowing that you're going to die, knowing that the people around you could die today. Like you, you, you saw Nate, you said goodbye, you went on your trip and you never saw him again. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had practiced memento mori, you, you don't ever leave anybody yeah. thinking that, okay, taking it for granted that I'll see them for, I'll see them tomorrow. And they want a, a big belief is when you kiss your children at night, Go over in your head that, hey, they could die tonight. And it's not a morbid thought. A lot of people go, well, that's morbid. That's ridiculous. I would never think that way. Or you think that you have the power to bring it on, which to me is ridiculous. You're not going to bring their death. And they say, just like you're not going to, oh, I wish the stock market would go in my favor. You're not going to affect it by saying it out loud. So you look at your child, and before you give them a kiss, you say, "This they could die tomorrow. Or this mm. kid, what if this children has cancer and not here next year? And so you'll hug them so much more tighter. If you say this about your own death, man, I could die today. Well, shit, I better go out there, and I better study my ass off. I better read this book that I want to read. I better, when I go out for this audition, if I'm doing television, or when I'm up on this stage, I'm going to let it all hang out. Because I could die tomorrow. I could get hit by a car. My plane could crash. Anything could happen. And I'm okay with that. It's not a scary thought. It's actually a motivating thought. It's a, it's a, it's a fulfilling thought. It's a, it's a motivation. Let's go. Let's go get it. And that's the way my, my view is with death now. Uh, and it helps me sleep a whole lot better. I really believe you'll never fulfill what you can and what you're capable of if you don't get comfortable with your own death. You have to be willing to die and accept your death in order to go out there and see the best version of yourself. That's the most free you will ever be. It will give people the best version of yourself and you will be able to see what you're truly capable of. No, I mean, I, you said it perfectly. That's that's the biggest change that I have experienced over the last four and a half years. I've, as, as you know, the first 40 years of my life, I just wanted to keep everything okay. I, I just really didn't want anybody to die. I didn't want anybody to get hurt. And now the opposite has happened. I've taken this this experience of losing Nate and said, not only are we okay, but we're thriving. Not mm-hmm. only do I have, do, am I more excited about life than ever? Cause I know it can end so quickly, but I am fascinated by the whole experience. And I think there's a big difference. Like you said, I used to not want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about getting sick. I didn't want to talk about anybody dying. And so what life did is it just said here, we're just going to hand it all to you on a plate, Kelsey, over a couple of years, because you are so locked up, you're pretty much dead anyway. So I think a lot of us that had a ton of fear were walking around living dead because we couldn't live because we were trying to avoid dying. What I think death has taught me is that like you said, there's, we have today, so crush it. And, and it's okay. Like we don't, we don't want to lose people because it's uncomfortable and sad and hard, but we can't control it. We don't have as much. I I think for a long time, I, we have a lot of free will, but not in the areas I thought we have free will of thought. We don't have free will of how everything happens. And if the car in front of you, you know, veers off, or if someone you love dies, that's not up to us. There's a greater force that is determining that stuff. But the one thing that nobody can take from you, and I guess Nelson Mandela nailed this for, you know, a lot of people have gotten this way before we did, is just your mind and how you choose to react and respond. And I think people always ask me, oh, you seem to be doing so well. And what I want to tell people is that it was a full-time job to decide that I wanted to be here five years later. And if you're grieving and you're in the part where it feels 
dark and and scary and overwhelming and just like life will never be the same. You're right. It won't ever be the same, but you get to choose what that new will look like. Um, and, and I think you've always reminded me of that because you were clear that you only have one shot here. So I think I, I, I've never knew you to be afraid. I, I don't think we ever talked about that before when you were more afraid of death. But I think now when you get excited about the time you have here, as opposed to counting down till you're going to leave, everything switches. What would you say to someone? I mean, what, what did you, do you remember what you said to me right when he died? Do you remember some of the advice that you gave me? Cause I'll tell you some advice you gave me a couple years later that I'm going to share <laughs> once I, I started I dating. You, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think I gave you, I don't think I gave you any advice when he passed. At least I don't remember. You, you know what you did? You were the one person and it wasn't that you didn't let me be sad, but you didn't let me feel sorry for myself. You were very quick when I'd start to go down a dark hole and you would sometimes just joke, which I obviously believe humor is the best thing to do when people are in pain. I know we're going through a time in our culture where we really want people to feel and I, and I get that, but we might've swung a little too far because there, there are times in life where you need to say, I'm going to actually set that aside so I can be present in this moment because we can get taken away with our emotions. So if I was like really telling this story that I'd made up in my head of Nate should have been here and how can this be and how will we survive? You'd be like, enough we're good. Like yeah. you're good. Like we're here. Take a deep breath. You talking about him again? Like he's fine. You're <laughs> fine. Look around, take a breath. Are you okay? You're okay. You might be sad, but let's go. Let's go do something. Let's rewire your brain. Let's try something. I mean, we went to Costa Rica and they forced me to zip line because they're like, I was like, you can't zip line. Like I'm the only mother. If I die, then there'll be orphans. And and then I just not going to go upside down on a tree in a forest. People that don't even speak my language, they don't understand what the rules are. And you guys were like, don't come back unless you do it. Like, just don't even come back. Like, what type of loser are you? Like, you've been through all this other stuff. Now you're not. And I'll tell you, those people put me upside down, arms open. And it's like a big picture I have blown up in my office. And the joy on my face is freedom. And, you know, I, I, I before I got into that harness that did not look very harnessed, I thought if I die in the jungle, so be it. It would be worse to die sitting in the house internally knowing I don't have, I'm not living. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'll tell a little bit of story. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you guys through what it's like to be best friends with Tony Gonzalez. So I called him. I said, I think I need to, I need to start dating. I need to have sex. I need to, I've got to get, I've got to get over the hump, literally. And I hadn't had a lot of partners prior to my marriage, like any more, very, very small number. 
And Tony was like, it's, it's go time. Like it's go time. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do? Like, how do I do this? Like I'm a widow. And he said, there is only one piece of advice I have. Once you start having sex, don't you cry. <laughs> Whatever you do, nobody likes a crier. <laughs> and he was adamant about it. And I was like, but what if I get sad? He's like, nope, there is no crying in sex. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> you are going to get up on there and you're going to have a good time. But the last thing a man wants to see is some woman after they've made love have one tear trickling down the side of her face because she's thinking about her dead husband. And I remember when it, when it happened and I almost cried and you came into my voice, I mean, into my head and I was like, nope. And I still think there was one tiny tear that just like dripped out the side. But mostly what you did was you gave me parameters. And I think during grief, sometimes people need a little bit of swaddling because if not, you can come kind of hysterical and be all crazy. And you are the king of swaddling for me. You go like, nope, this is how it's going to be. And yep, you're going. And I think everybody needs a friend like that when you are going through great transitions and transformations. You need the supportive friend that sits with you and lets you sob. Mm. And you also need the friend that goes like, we're going this way and you're coming with us. And that's just how it's going to be. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're right. I am that way. Like I always tell my, my friends, like, don't call me if you're looking for that hardcore sympathy, like call me if you're looking to get pumped up and, and be, and the reason I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm that way is because I've like everybody who's listening. We, we all go through shit. We all go through sadness. We all go through shame. I've had my fair share of that growing up and it hits people differently, but I, I've seen it stifle me and my growth and really hold me back. And so I do know this. One of the things that you know I say all the time is life takes off on the other side of fear. Always. The stuff that you're most afraid of is the stuff you have to confront. And, and it's scary. And it all begins with that. It's scary to get back in the saddle, to get over the hump, like you, like you said. <laughs> to, to say goodbye, to, to, to never see somebody again. It's a scary feeling to know that you got to go through life without that loved person that loved one anymore. But at the same time, it's like, well, let's, let's go. You're not going to beat me. You're not going to beat me. And I'm going to say, who's the opponent I'm talking, I'm talking about life. Like, like it, it, it's, we're all going through it, but I want to, I want to succeed. And I know it's going to keep challenging me. It does not ever end. And I don't want it to end because that's not how it works. There's, you can't have light without dark. You can't have, you can't have courage without being afraid of something. I mean, so, so fear is part of it. It's going to be there. It's a beautiful thing. Embrace it, make friends with it, and then uh, spar with it. It's a, it's, a, it's a good sparring partner, and, but it's there to make me better. It's, 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 my, it's, it's my bitch, is what I would say. <laughs> right. like I, I'm here to, to, and it's my training part. It's my coach. Like it, it's my pointer. I, I really believe that when you, when you go through that fear, that's where the ultimate growth is. That's where the ultimate, when you're hanging upside down in a jungle in a third world country, uh, that is the best feeling that you'll ever have. It's, if you were afraid going into it, jumping out of a, out of a, a helicopter or a, jumping out of a plane parachuting, I recommend everybody, anybody who's scared to do that, but wants it, go do it. Go do, trust me. When you hit the ground, it's going to be the best feeling you've ever had in your life. Now, if you don't want to do it, if it's something you're like, no, actually, I, I really don't want to do it, then don't do it. But for me, like when I did that, that was one of the most growth experiences I've ever had is jumping out of a plane because I was so I was deathly scared of it. I thought I was going to die. Right, uh, right. But I always wanted to do it. And so I'm so glad I did. That's how I judge things that I do in my life now is by what scares me the most 
is what I want to cling to the most. And obviously family and close friends, it scares me. Don't get me wrong. I'm scared. I, I get scared sometimes that they're going to, that they could die, but that that's what draws me even closer to them though. I'm going to make, I'm going to make it work for me in that, in that manner. I want it to make me even closer to them using death as a tool to make our relationship even better and more present. Yeah. How has, I mean, obviously I believe that you've honed in on this skill of, of personal growth and we talk a lot. And I mean, obviously you're mostly known for football and just what you did on the field and, and what you accomplished. How has that transitioned into this second part of your life? I love that we're both in the second half that you have, what are the processes that have, because you're a totally different person than you were 20 years ago when we were in Hawaii and you and Nate were at some God knows what type of club doing God knows what. And enlightened is not what I would say you two were. I would say you were Neanderthals, disasters. And we had to, we, we had to work really hard to no, stop. Just, stop, stop. No, but you have, you've grown up, obviously you're older, you've got kids, but what are the practices? And this is what I talk to people a lot. I, you know, when you want to get through something, you can't do that on a, on a hope and a prayer. Just like if you want to be a, a Hall of Fame football player, you don't just go out there and do it. There is there is a process to get to healing. There's a process to getting to excellence. What what do you do each day that you're committed to in terms of your personal growth to get to this place where you can have those thoughts and those direction in your life? Like the things I'm afraid of, I'm going to go towards and I have the tools to do it. I think, first of all, it's always evolving. If you would ask me this last year, it would have probably been a different type of type of routine, very similar, but still different. I think what I do now as of late is I like to journal. Mm -hmm. I call it radical writing. Every morning I'll get up pretty early before everybody else is up and I'll do like a little exercise routine and then I will write to why you laughing. His ex just let me tell you guys, you guys have seen his physique. Have you you've seen Tony? You think probably he like eats really clean and does like awesome workouts every day. What he does is he does three squats in his kitchen and then he does like two lunges. And then he's like maybe five or 10 pushups and that's his workout. So just don't get, don't get fooled by the rocks that he's got. Okay. He was born that way. He was but born. I, do it, I do it every day. I do it, it every day without fail. Ridiculous. Uh, but one, thing, one thing that I've done lately is uh, I've, I've called it, I call it radical writing. And basically it's, you write, you don't lift the pin up and I get, and, and I always tell people, and, and you've heard this before, I'm not the first one to say, it, you don't have to be brutally honest. Right. But sometimes I feel like with myself, with others, I don't have to be. With me, I have to go there sometime. And so this radical writing that I've been doing, I've been so completely honest with myself and where I'm at, why I'm at where I'm at, why I want to go where I want to go. I believe the biggest question you can always ask yourself is why. Affirmations are great. But if you're going to say, I'm great, okay, why? What makes you so great? And write that out. And then you'll be able to get a clear understanding. You get so much clarity on where you're going and how you're going to get there and why you want to get there. I think that's a, it's been a huge get for me. It's changed a lot of, of, of how I deal with things. I believe reading. I believe reading from whatever source. There's no right, there's no right way. To, to me, it's all the same shit when it comes down to it anyway. What somebody's saying, and I don't mean to call it shit. My wife gets mad at me. Uh, it's all the same stuff, the same beautiful stuff. Right. Whether you're talking about a, a religion, a Christianity, or a Hindu, or or you know, even even in atheism, like the underlining themes are: be kind, be courageous, be powerful, be calm. That's another one that I've been really, really concentrating on. Be confident. 
Like all that stuff goes into making you a better person and whatever belief system you have, I'm sure that's a core, a core value underneath it all. And I don't really get caught up in the whole dogma and the, the rules and regulations. I want the, the, I want to go to the deeper source of things. And that's what I'm always constantly reminding myself when I'm writing. And I think the best way to do that is obviously to, to read and to, to, to be around people that are into the same stuff that you're into. I mean, you, that's another thing in stoicism. You are, uh, well, they ever say you're the average of the top five people that you surround yourself with. That, to me, that is no doubt. They say if you added up the top five people that you hang out with, you added up their income, that's where you're probably land, the average of that. Oh, I got some work to do. <laughs> I, I, I really, I really up leveled with my crew. <laughs> well, I'm bringing, the, I'm bringing the average down in our group. I'm sorry to say that. Well, Don't worry, there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> there's still time. But yeah, I do, I do all that stuff. What Kelsey. about meditation? Are you still meditating? I still meditate every morning uh, before I even get out of bed. When that alarm goes off, I don't get right up. I Me usually and, and by the way, people talk. What I'm saying to when anybody's hearing what I say and you're saying, "Oh, I like that idea," or you hear somebody else, whether it's Tony Robbins or any of these people out there that that tell you what to do, people say like, "When I started meditating, I sat lotus style, legs crossed, and I was closing my eyes, keeping great posture." And I was like, "Man, my back hurts." You know, 17 in the NFL, this, my knees hurt. And so now I, I literally just lay there, put my hands over my chest, close Me my too. eyes and start just focusing on the things. And a lot of it is affirmation based, but then why? So why, why am I so great? Why am I so powerful? Why am I so calm? Why am I such a good dad? Like, why am I such a good, um, a good husband? Why, why do I keep going? Why don't, you know, why, why, why? And I want to answer that. And I see it. And I, it's the same stuff that I did when I played football too. That's the funny thing. I think how you approach your, uh, spiritual growth or whatever you want to talk, whatever words, words you want to use to describe that is how you approach your job growth. It's how you approach your, your, your husbanding <laughs> or parenting. It's how you, do you, do you visualize yourself? That's what I did in sports. I would always visualize myself on the field and I would do it where I would smell the grass and I could hear the crowd. I could see the eyes of the quarterback telling me the play before the play. I would do all this before the game. I do this now with my life everything that I'm doing. I want to see it before it happens and feel into that future. And I want to be grateful for it. And I want to be confident too. I was so damn confident when I played football, but then during my transition, when I got done playing, I lost that confidence for whatever reason, where it's like, no, when you walk somewhere, you have to know that you belong there. You have to feel like, like I'm the, I'm, I'm here. I'm the man. I'm supposed to be doing this. And then there's, it goes on and on and on with everything that, that I learned from football it's everything that I'm finally starting to do. What is it? Eight, nine years now starting to do into my second career, whether that's broadcasting or acting. Now that's the way I'm approaching it. I'm kind of just taking those same values that made me great on the field, right. which are very spiritual values too. living in the moment. That's another thing too. artists. They talk about artistry. My wife says, Oh, you're not really an artist, but I think playing sports is the most artistic that you could ever get. You work on your plays, but as soon as that game starts, Nobody knows what's going on. I mean, I, I can run 10 yards and know I have a 10 yard out, but there's going to be a guy over there. What if the quarterback ha gets in trouble? He has to spin out of there. Now everything is on the move. Everything is just reaction. Now you're in the moment. And that, to me, that's being so, so creative. And the really, really good ones are the most creative at it. And it's like that in life. You have this script where you want to go and how you're going to do it. But guess what? Stuff can change at any second and you got to be ready to adjust and you got to be able to be creative in the moment. And that takes fearlessness that takes being calm, 
being really relaxed. I think all that is a very spiritual, a spiritual understanding too, is being calm, being like Tom Brady on the field, relaxed into it, being a, a Zen master, they're calm and relaxed. That's a very spiritual value to me uh, that I've learned. And so anyways, I'm, I'm getting long-winded here, but no. that's all the stuff that I, I go it. into now that creates who I am as a person. I think present moment, at least for me, when if, if somebody's going through grief, what oh, there's ton, tons of gifts when things go bad in your life because it switches everything up. But one of the things is that you become really focused on each breath because you're in pain and you can't, you can't worry about tomorrow because you're barely getting through today. So I remember after about a year and a half after Nate had died, when life started to get back to normal and I started to start worrying about things in the future or obsessing over things of the past, whereas for about a year, I was right here. I was just right here. And it was like, it was peaceful and it was quiet. And all I did was just get through that moment. And I realized as I started to get back into regular life, when the you know hardest part of grief, I missed that. And so that, that's something that I now have to work at to not get caught up again in what's going to be or where we're going in two months or what some conversation I had, just be right here today and stay loose. I think stay loose and calm is basically just what you're saying. And that's what you did as a football player. And that's what you do now as a man. You really do walk the talk, walk the walk, walk the talk and walk the walk. You do all of those things. You mean a lot to me because you, you've, you've been excellent in a lot of areas of your life, but I really believe that you are just getting started on what you are what will be your legacy in a different way. So we'll, we'll end this because we could talk for a long time, but what if, if you were to die tomorrow, and since we're not afraid to talk about it, we'll just say that, how would you want to be remembered? <laughs> Do we have time? <laughs> Producers, can we roll the tape for another 20? That's funny. Let me go to my notes. Been, <laughs> how do I want to be? I think if, if, if I think, you know, by the way, I've, and my kids call me corny for saying this, but um, I've, been go- I've been going over the, the letter C for whatever reason. It's the best letter in the alphabet. Stay with me now. Because the letter C can guide you in almost anything. And when I'm talking about, like, curious, mm. this is what I want to be known for. Curious, compassionate, capable, confident, competent. There's so many C's out there. We were Caring. going through. Caring is another one. Uh, what I say, compassionate, yeah. compassion, concentrating, charismatic, like the C's is, is what, what I want to be known for, you know, all those things. But I guess if I had to pick one that was the most that I think will, as somebody that was just like everybody else that had the shit scared out of them by life, but went through it. Yeah. I think that's because that's, that's the most important part. It's funny how you just said pain is the ultimate teacher teacher that can make you present it's funny how i had this migraine headache yesterday and it's funny how it just focused me so in the moment because it was such intense pain and in my head i felt like i had a knife in my freaking face and i was just sitting there where like i'm tearing out of my my eye and everything was just flashing right i was so present yeah and that's what pain does that's what death does when it happens to you but i'm telling you in that moment i i felt like I, it put everything in perspective for me of where I'm at, what's important and what's not important. And so I answer that other question, but I want to leave it with this. Yeah. I think if anybody who's out there going through that pain, understand that, let it, let it bring you to that presence. Mm-hmm. It's going to give you the answers. That present moment is going to, it's going to help you shape your future. And it's a gift. It really is a gift. I know it doesn't feel like it, but that pain, the pain, the, 
the presence of that pain brings is a gift and and don't waste it honestly other a lot of people can waste it and they do waste it i in according they, to my opinion or they but numb it or they drink it or they swallow a pill or they yeah. eat it but yes we'll do a part two at some point i love you dearly thank you for the time and we'll be back Alrighty. thanks for having you thank you thank you for listening and remember keep going it gets better Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 